0: Hey there. Thanks for tuning back into the Rockwater Rambler. It's Christmas time, folks. Hope Santa brought you a bunch of shit. If you're not too busy going to the movies today or eating a bunch of stuff, hopefully you got some time to listen to me and Tanner James talk for a little while. We're going to talk about a bunch of his songs. We're going to talk about some crazy times in Blue River. And we're going to talk about how it ain't easy to be a musician. Happy holidays, folks. Enjoy your eggnog. Yeah, this is the Christmas special. All right. It's the first time we've recorded, but the second time that you're hearing it. So Tanner's going to sing you Christmas songs at the end of the show.
1: So that's how it works in the time-space continuum, is that this is the first recording, but it's going to be the second one you hear. I'm bending time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We live in a digital age. It's the future. You can do whatever you want.
1: Back to the... It's also going to be the past
0: soon. We're going to throw some jingle bells on the theme song. Which you already heard. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we're going to talk about Tanner's uh, record. Tanner James is a songwriter from Calgary, and he's been uh, around the scene for a long time. I don't know how long we've known each other, but... few years now. few years. Feels like longer. We met at my house in Medicine Hat, and now here we are in Calgary. And uh, he's going to talk about... What's this
1: record called? are we are we talking about the really the, one, the, the one you
0: just did the one that's
1: on Bandcamp uh the the i did like kind of a uh um an album that has a lot of storytelling in it is that the one you're referring Yeah, it's to? like live kind yeah, of off yeah. the floor. Um we called that uh, live from Dirt City. And that's with Jesse Northy. Uh yeah, we just tracked it quickly with Jesse and that was just Dylan and I and um, we've been touring as a duo a lot and we wanted to just kind of capture that for um, just to, just to kind of capture what we're doing live and with the stories and everything like that. So we just kind of, in a quick and dirty fashion, we just laid it down and a lot of the, everything's pretty much just, just one take, the stories and the songs and, and we just try to go for it and kind of showcase what we're doing for prosperity purposes more than anything. And then it was also, I think sometimes it's easy, once you get a story that works it's easy to uh just keep doing it and this is sort of our way for us to say okay we've done this let's capture it and then once we put it online move on to something else exactly or? yeah yeah it'll force us to to move on and um yeah so it's kind of an exercise too
0: do you find that it gets redundant telling a story more than once or do you i guess that when the audience is different it kind of People take it differently. Yeah, different I, I, don't,
1: I don't. feel like it's redundant because you get better at it and your delivery gets better and the the art of it just be it just it's it becomes almost more engaging because you know it's gonna you know it's gonna work and what it doesn't it's less frightening.
0: Yeah, I, there would be some audiences that just wouldn't get it at all. But you, yeah, but then you kind of know what you're gonna say anyways, so you could kind of coast.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can. Uh, it's it's hard introducing a story because I don't know what's gonna work and I have stuff that just absolutely fails miserably and sometimes I you have visit. to try everything try everything once yeah and then province to province if there's different cultures sometimes that affects how people perceive things
0: that's fair too i guess canada's a pretty big place
1: yeah if you're gonna do a song called the oil riggers wife you know it has a greater relevancy in alberta than on the vancouver island now for all girls want
0: mm-hmm.
2: Ah, girls want is bad boys Sleeveless t-shirts, cocaine and tattoos Holes in their jeans
0: um, Me and Brady heard that a couple years band. ago mm-hmm. On the video or whatever But that obviously changed quite a bit Over yeah. time With that story, the story's the best part of the song now
1: In my opinion it's a, It um, became, went from a three minute pop song To a nine minute uh, Stuart McLean piece yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Little Stuart McLean
0: name drop in here. It's perfect.
1: I figure yeah, did you hear about his uh he just uh announced that vinyl cafe is yeah done a for take the break. Yeah. yeah, so
0: we're here to take his place. We're baby. here to not really <laughs> not even not even close. There's some big shoes to fill, but there's three of us in a room, so we got more more uh yeah, Brady, Brady's shoes. here as well. I'm a big fan of uh, Brady's Stuart our So am I. Brady's our hype man. He's also
1: a really big Stuart yeah. McLean fan. <laughs> He's on Just a green the guy, chair. The boys up right now. <laughs> yeah, um back to all girls want. Yeah, it's I guess <clears throat> I've done that song for so long that I needed to breathe some life into it. I also had a moment where I, that was one of the first songs I ever wrote. And I feel like um I feel like I've been the prota- the protagonist in that song. I've been the antagonist. I've like started to not even know if i agree with it anymore then i went back to it and realized that there's still some truth in it and i almost felt like do i even have a right to play the song anymore or is this is this a young man's song that i need to divorce myself from
0: it's interesting to play songs like 10 years later or you know however long later and like be a totally different person than you were when you wrote them yeah and i've i've experienced that a lot but um even your style of playing changes and sometimes the song sticks around and it's it's amazing that you would still
1: want to play it but yeah yeah that one that that one just went over well cuz it's i think it's an underdog story so it's relatable to 98% of people um with the exception of maybe the captain of the football team or the head cheerleader everybody else is, has been an underdog at some point in their life so um but yeah the story the story gave it some life for me and gave it some legs um,
0: what about Doctor of Song? Is that a real person?
2: I was looking for the Doctor Song. Follow the river, it didn't take too long. There worse waiting by the
1: river's edge. No, that, that is, um, I was trying to learn a Tams Van Zandt song, and then a lot of times when I'm learning a cover song, I'll try something or I'll, I'll be learning part of it, and then I'll space out and then I'll start writing my own song and just inevitably rip part of it off without intending to. And I think that, every guitar player can relate to that. Yeah, sure. I think that's the the, the story of songwriting. Um, but no, that's a, that's an entirely fictional story. I was watching a documentary on Netflix about, um, uh, it was about the oil boom in North Dakota and all these people, I think it was called The Overnighters, and all these people that were migrating to North Dakota and to find work and they had nowhere to live. And it was sort of like a John, St- John Steinbeck novel. And... Um, uh, this priest was housing all these uh, these drifters essentially in um, in the church and just setting out cots and people were sleeping on the floor and uh, he was talking to this one guy and this one guy was talking about um, uh, he was talking about in a religious context in a biblical context when, um, uh, when you sleep with someone how your soul is entwined and you get kind of caught up in all these different people and he was explaining that um, because he slept with this girl he he inevitably knew where to find meth because of her. Then he uh, got, got on to meth, and I—it was a—it was a—it was a pretty awesome excuse. Um, and I was like, wow! Like I went to a lot of a great length to say why he smoked meth. But then I started to think of that context biblically, and I started to think how if I'm meeting all these people on the road and and stealing their story essentially, I'm, I'm hearing stories from people all over the country, and then I'm taking them and putting them into songs. Do those stories ever get? Do I ever get attached to them, or did I ever ever become uh, have an impact on me? So I started to think of that that con in that biblical context. So well, they
0: they definitely would,
1: and I think then you would be doing that to other people
0: too by playing the song, right? Because yeah. they might take those lyrics and do the same thing. Yeah, I guess it would. I never thought of it
1: in that um, reciprocal way.
0: There's like a part of that song where you're you're relating a song to like a human body almost. I don't yeah. know if you can recall that, but there's a, uh, I can't remember what the exact lyrics are,
1: but uh, I um, think, I think the lyric is, um, if you want to write, you got to break your heart, uh, put it on the table and pick it apart.
0: Yeah. That one. Um, yeah. And there's, there's a couple more in there, but, um, I just, I took that in a kind of fastened, like the whole song, the doctor of song kind of theory. It's the way that music sort of medicine and, uh, a song can kind of be related to a human body and I've never thought about it that way, but like different parts of a song being different parts of the body kind of thing. It's uh I don't even know if you like would pick up on that when you're writing that song, but that's sort of what I took from it.
1: Yeah. I, I wonder. Um I I guess from like a broader context, I thought of that song as I was thinking about this this medicine man or the shaman that lives by mm-hmm. the river and you know um this I was trying to write a folk song too, so I was trying to make it go full circle. So it starts off with whoever the narrator narrator is um meeting this this person by the river and this person giving them teaching them how to write songs but then when you when the song goes full circle you realize it comes at a cost
0: yeah it's pretty pretty fascinating concept and in the story you talk about a guy in lethbridge yeah is that just
1: like a metaphorical place where that guy would kind of that, that's where it was happening in my head i okay. I, I lived in lethbridge and yeah. i spent a lot of time at the river so that, i that, i think that was just a natural transition but i think
0: that's totally valid to if you're just writing a story to have a setting for it you know yeah
1: i think too like that's a pretty dark song and i think what i was doing was i was putting this almost trying to put a light story to a dark song and then, I don't do that anymore. I think I was doing that. That's one thing that came out of doing that live album is that I, I look back and listening to it, I really like that song, but I never felt like that f- story fully fit the the whole package. And I, I sometimes wonder as a storyteller if I use humor as a defense mechanism sometimes. And um, so I'm trying to learn if the, you know if there's a sad song or if there's a dark song, just to let it be a dark song.
0: At the same time, though, it's nice to uh, to be able to like enter to make an audience have fun in that way even when the song is darker I guess depending on the crowd you were playing for you could bend the story either direction right
1: but- that's true yeah and you know I, I've I've seen people do it like I, I know Rose Cousins is kind of the queen of that shield do these like these beautifully hilarious and uplifting stories and then pair it with like the most dark and depressing song but I don't have all dark and depressing songs so I don't think that's as quite as um, necessary for for me, I have a lot of light material, so... But
0: it's something to think about, for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think it's nice to have that option, as you said. And
0: sometimes having a contrast between the story and the actual song is just... It's the same as writing writing happy lyrics, but having a really depressing-sounding song, or vice versa, right? Yeah. Because that story becomes like a really integral part of that song. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Oil Rigger's Wife. <laughs>
2: some place to go
0: i know you talked about it a little bit earlier but yeah um what's the deal
1: with it? did that guy actually give you money yeah that, that happened in red deer um and no i didn't actually collect any money from that guy um so i was playing in red deer and i talked about this in, the, in the, the story leading up to it but yeah i met um uh, a drunk uh Drunk, wealthy Red Deerian came up to me before the show and said he wanted to buy a CD, but he had never heard my music and he was not going to stay and watch me play. And it was sort of, uh, he mentioned he was a divorce lawyer and we got talking and um, uh, I'm trying to remember, I haven't told this story for a while. And um, and then he I asked him how business was and he said that as a divorce lawyer in Red Deer is booming. And he talked about all these guys going to work up north and what their wives did when they were gone. And, and he was just a total asshole. And uh, he wanted me to write this sad country song called "The Oil Rigger's Wife," and he said if I write it, he'd pay for it to be recorded. So then the whole thing was kind of a scam. I thought it was a stupid idea, and I tried to just like slam out this song in thirty minutes and record it on my MacBook and send this guy an invoice and try to get some money from him. And I think it like sums up everything that was happening in Alberta at that time. And it does feel very Red Deerian. It feels like there was just this like inflation and this this um, lack of financial planning and um, so I'm poking fun at that and that whole situation and I think most Alberta songwriters have written a written a tune about that. I agree. Yeah. I don't think that's uh unique in any way. Um that was just my personal experience with this guy that kind of gave me the idea. Yeah. Carter's got one of those too. Do
0: you have one of those songs, Brady? No, I haven't I haven't really felt I haven't really felt like I've had to go down that road yet. Maybe, but maybe it's coming. Maybe it's coming. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, like, I, part of me feels bad for going down that road, especially, like, you know, I mean, it was, when everything was going well, it, it's easy to make fun of people on the top, but a lot of those people I make, I was making fun of in that song are in kind of dire situations right now.
0: I guess because I have family and friends who are kind of in tough situations where, like, you know, I guess there's, there's, like, a time to write a song that's, I don't know, it, it's, it's tricky ground, but I think it's, I think it's a, good thing sometimes for artists to like move past their own insecurities about it. And sometimes just write the material, even if it could, have, even if it could offend people, you know, I think it's good to do that sometimes, but
1: I don't have one of those songs. <laughs> yeah. I, I wondered about that too. I'll I read a lot of stuff that I like to be edgy. I like to try to find the edge, step over it and then moonwalk back two steps. And that's where I like to sit. I like to like try to be a little bit uncomfortable and pushing the limits a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and be a little bit of a shit disturber. I think that's just kind of in my pedigree. I think I grew up kind of as a Dennis the Menace, sort of a little bit of a mm-hmm. pest and um, a bit of a class clown. And, and so I like to find that line, but I don't ever want to be distasteful just for the sake of being distasteful. So I, I wrestle with that a lot. And that I, song, I
0: don't think, I don't think you're necessarily um, offending anyone by it either,
1: because it's just a relatable, it's just a relatable situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it's light enough. And then in that that song kinda the story marries in with the whole song and then in the third verse I have sort of my I call it my uh like saving grace to that where I bring my mother into the the fold and yeah. explain when I get around to writing a third verse I'm gonna have all this other stuff in it. But of course that was never in the cards. It never so, happened yet? No, that's just all showbiz. Maybe it still will. Maybe it will, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll get <laughs> you know, sick of telling that story and I'll revamp it. There's lots of time.
0: <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. You went to uh Nashville and uh is that why you wrote that Christian quit fucking around and being a Christian or whatever yeah is that the one that I'm thinking of correct what was the Nashville experience for you did you like learn tons when you were down there or
1: was it not what you thought it would be or I think it was everything I thought it would be and that's frightening it's like it's like going to the NHL when you like played in like pawn hockey your whole life and be like oh shit this is this is where the bar's at. Wow, this is this is higher than I ever imagined it. Yeah. Um, but which is good. It's educational. If you can like, not let it knock you down too much and kind of make in you there. want to quit. Yeah, <laughs> if it doesn't make you sell your guitar and get on a Greyhound bus, then you'll yeah. hopefully get better from the experience. Yeah. I think. And I think I was I was at a, going to a lot of um, songwriter nights and and I remember this one guy playing and he would he would cash in on anything that he knew people would kind of be forced to clap at or or give sympathy to. So he was like, this song's about the Boston Marathon bombing, so I want to just send so to the victims and then everyone stood up and clapped. It's like, this song's for all the guys that are fighting for us in Iraq and so everyone got up and clapped. And it felt like every one of his songs was was uh, like he was just looking for
0: Just fishing for like things that affected people to like Exactly. Get, get a rise out of them sort of thing.
1: Yeah. And I think we're a little bit more uh um observant of when people are trying to do that but in nashville i find that it really goes over well so everyone is just standing up and applauding this guy something about
0: the state say eh? yeah <laughs> all, those,
1: all those trump all those trump supporters down yeah there. this national pride that was just this guy was just making career out of and i just remember like that oh, fucker um so i think i wrote this song quit fucking around and be a christian kind of with that in mind and then also just just sort of the Uh, just the irony behind that that whole line, quit fucking around and be a Christian. Yeah, the
0: guy the guy in that song would be definitely a real guy. Like he's it's such a real there's so many middle class, middle American guys like that. Yeah. That are like hardcore Christians, but they're also like the most offensive human beings. Yeah. And that's like summed up just in the title. You don't even have to sing the song yet. Yeah. But I'm gonna play a clip of it anyways to Play a little clip of all these, all these teams. <laughs> cool.
2: Quit fucking around, be a Christian. Stop missing. Forever.
1: No. That, that's another one that I was I was I I wrestled with Because um, I didn't know if I was making fun of I was trying to make fun of an individual And, and a, a stereotype that you caught on to um, But I didn't know if I was <clears throat> going to offend Like a mass Christian audience Or a, ma- a mass atheist audience Or who was going to pick up on that But I find everyone just sort of Seems to like that one And like uh, my Christian friends seem to like latch onto that one and then my atheist friends just seem to latch onto it and they all seem to think that i'm on their side of the fence
0: it's a middle it's a middle it's ground bizarre yeah
1: <laughs> and i like i don't talk about it, but like my faith is something that i take very seriously and i do struggle i'm an on and off again christian and i struggle yeah. with that and that's very important to me and um and that song just kind of somehow everyone thinks i'm on their side of the fence and i'm okay yeah. with that <laughs> yeah they're that's because they're probably on either side of the fence at times
0: too maybe yeah most people kind of
1: bounce back and forth yeah or you know what sometimes you'll hear a song and um you just even though it has nothing to do with you you'll put yourself in a, the situation of whoever's writing or wh- where whatever perspective it's written from and you'll kind of take claim to it
0: yeah i guess so each listener kind of takes what they want from the song yeah i remember you me- remember that uh i think it was a, a goche that that big like breakup song oh, yeah, yeah. that came out yeah. a couple years ago. That and band it, made famous all playing the
1: guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that one. Yeah. I remember like analyzing that and thinking, like it was catchy, and I was trying to figure out what, why it just had this appeal to such a mass audience, and then I, I listened to it really carefully and wrote the lyrics out, and I thought about it, and I, I figured the whole song was written to put the blame on every, on the other person. So it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving this relationship, but like it's all your fault, and... And these are the things you did to me, and I'm the victim. And it, it's that's like the that's how you want to feel yeah. in a break. If you want to feel like I'm great, you suck, and you did all this stuff to me. But of course, that's never the case.
0: Sort of an immature perspective.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why it was so appealing to so many people. But
0: most of those radio tunes are like that. Absolutely, one sided,
1: right? Yeah. Well, that's why we're not
0: famous. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just stop the podcast. Yeah. and Yeah. Pop song, guys. <laughs> yeah. did we just figure something out here? <laughs> Okay, the, I want to chat about this gig that we've both done in Blue River. Ah, uh-huh, okay. Because it's just this like, <laughs> it's this common ground between us that it's a weird gig. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what happened to you when you were there, because we have some weird stuff that happened. Should us we before.
1: should we just say the gig in Blue River, and and I mean, if anyone who wants to l- look further can figure they, out, they the, can they can name? ask us personally. Yeah. But it's a, it's a strange world.
0: It's a lot of a lot of upper class fellows there. Yeah,
1: so it's a it's a elite heli ski resort. It kind of feels like uh, a an all-inclusive Cancun, Mexico for heli skiers. Yeah, some
0: of them are some of them are the nicest people ever. Some of them don't I I didn't have any like bad run-ins with anybody. But I just had um, it's just weird seeing people that have that much money in their in their world you kind of just step into
1: a rich person's world um yeah do you i feel like a lot of the people i meet there um yeah they're they're leagues and leagues removed from from me and we live a whole different lifestyle in in very different worlds but i feel like sometimes those people will engage in conversation before the show or after the show or whatnot and um, and uh it they don't want to talk about their life they want to talk about music and they want me to tell them stories and this and that it almost feels like i'm being hired to hang out with them as well not just entertain them exactly it's like, yeah here's some money to talk to me
0: they want like a cool musician to like sit at the table with them yeah another thing that was weird there was um them telling you that you're not supposed to say no to people and uh so if people are bad, like as a lot of musicians would be not drinkers or whatever but they stress the fact that they would prefer you to say yes if people are offering you things which i guess they want the courtesy there but it's funny to not to not to almost lose that freedom of like <laughs> saying no if i don't know i just found it to be a
1: it was an enlightening experience yeah i sure. never no one ever said that to me but i i'm not surprised at all yeah it's it seems like you pay a certain amount of money to be there and that buys you the luxury to do whatever you want. Yeah. It's like dad's gone wild. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a lot of dad's gone wild there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's it's pretty tame the first I, I don't know about you, but we always did the Wednesday Thursday Thursday yeah. Friday combo yeah. and they put yeah. you up there and um and you have nothing to do during the day. You're kind of just playing music and drinking coffee and sitting by the fire, which is is you know, is nice. it's nice. Great scenery, that's yeah. for sure. And then at night Wednesday and Thursday it can be relatively tame because everyone's getting up early in the morning and skiing but then Friday just turned into this I think that's when it really hits full on dad, dad's gone wild
0: <laughs> they get they get pretty nuts in there yeah and Pat the bartender is a gem <laughs> he's a true gem yeah he's a gem he he <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sometimes he feels like it's in your corner. Sometimes he feels like he's not. Yeah.
0: You don't, you don't really know where he stands. Yeah. I,
1: I, I feel like I got a pretty good read on people and he, I can't figure him out. <laughs> well,
0: I, I don't I'm know if a anyone. Story? I'm just curious, like a specific story about Blue River. Yeah. Just, just to give folks a little bit more of it. More idea.
1: context. Yeah. It feels like we're, we're reminiscing yeah. about an in, inside joke here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. the Uh, I played it three times now. We're playing again this winter, this January. And, um, my my best friend and pedal seal player Dylan, he always has done it with me. We've done it as a duo. And uh, the the one time we played up there, there was these pretty wild and likable Australian guys. They kind of uh, always wanted to hang out, and they were they were nice guys, and um, we got a kick out of them. And they always seemed to take it one step too far, and then somehow be able to get up and out ski everybody the next day, and then come and and it got progressively wilder, and and then. Uh, they asked us on the Thursday night if we could learn any Australian songs, and they asked us to learn this song. and It was one of those like rambling narratives that you pretty much have wow. to learn like a novel worth of lyrics. It's like it just is not. like... People don't get it. Yeah, people don't get that. <laughs> no, they don't stuff. get it. Yeah. It's not that easy. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, like I'm not doing this. And um, and then we learned we learned some like outdated Australian song that I remember just from the top of my head, and it was like like an adult contemporary alternative. Hit from like 1998, like just something that no one would want to. It would be like, it would be like us going to Australia and be like, hey man, like, can you learn a Canadian song and someone p- playing like Closing Time by Treble Charger? Like, yeah. it was just so irrelevant. Yeah. And they were just drunk enough that they were impressed with it. And then it was kind of a joke to Dylan and I were like, man, we just like got away with that. And then they came up and put $500 US on Dylan's pedal steel as a tip for learning the Australian song. Well, there you go. And then, uh, and then after the, sh- after, fr- uh, Things got wild. We packed up all our gear. And then one of the guys came up and said, we'll pay, we'll pay 200 bucks to come to our cabin and play your two best songs. And I was like, and he's like, your two best songs are Powderfinger. And he said this in uh, Australian accent. He's like, Powderfinger, um, My Happiness, and Atlantic City, Bruce Springsteen. Come over and play your two best songs, <laughs> $200. And we are so tired and we had to get up at like 6 a.m. to make it to this daytime gig the next day. And uh, we thought, well, we're not, we don't say no to money. We're not in a, as folk singers, we're just not in a, we don't have the luxury to ever say no to $200 for we two songs. It. Yeah. yeah. It's so, like
0: gas and food the next day. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we're thinking about our two best songs, which are of course not our songs. And uh, such a, uh, there's, so, there's such so much ground between My Happiness by Padded and Atlantic City by Bert Springsteen. Uh, so we, we go over to these guys' cabin and, and we realize they don't really care about us playing these these two songs. They mostly want to just drink whiskey with us. And we thought, well, this looks like good whiskey, and so we'll we'll accept this. And so these these couple guys are gathered around and they're just telling us stories and spitting in our face while they're talking and they're really drunk. And then there's this guy that one of them came stumbling in later and he's about 300 pounds and about six foot five. And they're they're facing me talking and I can see this guy walk in the door and they don't see him. And I see him walk by and he has toilet paper coming out of the back of his pants and dragging down the floor. And I'm, I'm trying not to address him because I figure if I do, they'll see him and they might tell him to stop and I yes. want to see what he's going to do. And then I see him walk towards the fridge and, and he's a big guy and he tries to open the fridge door and he's pulling on it from the wrong angle and it won't open. And they he pulls it again and I see the whole fridge kind of rattle and, and shake. And then he pulls again and then the whole fridge tips over and smashes on the floor and then everybody that didn't hear this guy come in just looks over at the fridge and there's just this moment of silence and i think they're going to freak out cuz they probably just destroyed this you know fairly expensive fridge in this beautiful cabin and probably put a like a bunch of scrapes in the floor and probably lost whatever their vicious damage dep- deposit is and then uh, one Australian guy looks at me and like well suppose that won't keep the beer cold anymore will it <laughs> That's unreal. And then we got out of there.
0: <laughs> Just ran back yeah. to your cabin. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I wouldn't tell the story, but we had a very strikingly similar experience at the, what was that house called? The, uh, the Bahama Mama. The Bahama Mama. <laughs> Everyone wanted us back at that place.
2: You're
0: hanging out in the Bahama Mama. It was, a, it was a weird, weird time. But anyways, um, we want you to play a song, but I don't know what song you want to play. If you have a plan for a tune that you would like to play, um, maybe explain explain what song it is and let people know, and then we'll do we'll record it. So if you screw it up, um, you can try it again or whatever.
1: Well, I've never took more than one take my whole life for anything. <laughs> yeah. So one take wonder. Yeah, you know, because because we're the the art of digital recording, yeah, it can always be one take. Me Even and Brady recorded a song takes.
0: yesterday, and well, the theme song for this show, and uh, it probably took me a lot. I don't know.
1: 40 takes? No. Not Maybe like <laughs> No, that many? 18. 18. <laughs> <laughs> You're a perfectionist, that means. No, it just means I can't play the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um do you want me to uh check go down and grab my guitar and then come back
0: and Yeah, sure. Maybe just say the name of the tune and then we'll just spin it for people.
1: Sure. Um trying to think what i'm gonna play do you want me to play is it cool if i play something kind of kind of new or do you want me to stick to play
0: it? something new man something i new? can play your recordings for people that yeah, already. We already
1: got to i already got representation for yeah. those um yeah. sure i'll play i'll play a new one newish one called uh i will carry you home olivia and it's uh it's kind of a it's a love song and i didn't feel like i was in a position to know how to write a real love song so i wrote this song um about what i was trying to think i was trying to think about what real love was and i think this is um that's on here is on it the on the record
0: oh, fuck it is on yeah. there so there you go if you want the record what should what's play the record different called? then no play play it it's good song, um, and i just won't play a clip of that one okay yeah. but we didn't even talk about it yet so it's perfect no. great um i will carry you home olivia correct all right that was tanner james everyone and thanks for coming man first guest second episode Time-bending, Merry Christmas. We need some jingle bells. Brady, go get your jingle bells. We're going <laughs> to jingle this episode. Where do we up. buy this guy's music and stuff? You know? Oh, yeah, we gotta got to
1: drop your uh, band camp and all that. Yeah, bandcamp.com uh, slash Tanner James Music is, uh, is a good hub. And then you can uh, keep uh, keep your eye on me and see what I'm up to on uh, TannerJamesMusic.com. that will have all the tour dates and blog posts and videos and all that.
0: Or just add him as a friend on Facebook. Or you can <laughs> yeah send him messages. For yeah. messages. <laughs> text me. <laughs> All right. You grab your cell phone number, yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> I know, for z- Merry Christmas, everyone.
2: I'll carry you home, Olivia. You walk on up the stairs to the place where you buried your soul. Going to the doctor, Olivia. I pick a flower for you that you sold on to Cause it's the little things that get us through the day I'll sleep near you, Olivia. In this rigid chair next to your hospital bed, and it hurts my back, and it hurts my pride, and it hurts my heart. But I know it hurts you more, so I just greet you with a smile. I just greet you with a smile, because darling. Once go by, Olivia You get a lot of my arms As you just away This house carries you, soul, Olivia I can feel you in the walls In the creaking of the halls And it Hurts my back and it hurts my pride and it hurts my heart. But I know it hurts you more, so I just agree with a smile. I just agree with a smile, Cause darling. To the place that you hey that's all folks. See you next week.
0: We got Seth Anderson coming in. He's going to talk about his newest record. He recorded it with One Week Records. Joey Cape from Leg Wagon was the producer. He's a pretty big deal. You're going to want to hear all about it. See you then. Merry Christmas.